I want us to, um, to get into this because <clears throat> transitions are so important. How many of you have seen a skin, uh, like skin molt of a, of a reptile when it comes off? How many of you have seen like a, 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 an animal that's, our, that's in a pupa or a, they call it a pup, pup, pupae, the pupae? Thing, right <coughs> now that when and when anything goes through a transitional phase that's when they're the most vulnerable that's when a butterfly comes out of that pupa and it's supposed to be able to fly but its wings are all wrinkly you know and if a bird sees the butterfly at that stage it's literally like you know meat on a platter it's the butterfly can't even try to run away, fly away, run away, gosh, fly away, because you still need to push all the blood through the veins of that wing until it's nice and tight, and then get it dry enough so that the weight drops off of it, and then it can start flying. In that transition period, it's actually very vulnerable because it can't get away if any prey predator would, would happen to find it. And the same for us. When we're in transition, oftentimes we're vulnerable. Things can go wrong in transitions, and uh, um, we can get lost. We can lose our way. Um, how many of you have traveled on uh, like subway systems before? Okay, so some of you. I've uh, traveled in, in the UK a bit, and uh, there they have these underground subway systems. And so you can, you can descend into you know, the depths, uh, underground subway systems, and then you can get on a train there. You can literally travel all across the city without ever sticking your head above ground. That means that somewhere you lose your sense of direction, guaranteed. Because you have no reference anymore. You've, uh, you're underground. And unless there's some form of directional map, which there never is, it's just these straight things that says you come from this, as if the whole earth is just, you know, one lined up cities in one stretch. Um, no, it's not. It, it, it's, it's meshed. But, but you don't get to know where you are when you're under there. The only one time you really knows, know what's going on is when you actually come out and see the sun and go, oh, we used to be in that direction. And you felt that you've been traveling in this direction the whole time. It doesn't make sense. Transitions are difficult. Sometimes when you have to um, get, onto, get, get from one place to another, the tram lines, they don't match. So you have to get onto a different track to get to that actual city. And you have to, you have to jump a track, to get off your train, get onto a new train. And what happened to us is we, would, we, we knew we needed to go there, and we knew which train we needed to be on. We got on it, and then the train took off in the wrong direction. <laughs> We're like, no, <laughs> you need to go that way. So, and you can't do anything about it. It's a detour. You're going to go until the next stop, and then you're going to get out, and then you're going to you know, do the other round. You get on the right direction, same train, different direction. And then you're going to get, it takes time, delays. You know, if you have kids with you, it turns into chaos. But that's life. Life is full of these track changes, full of these change periods. And some of our, part of our job as pastors is to really help people navigate change, how to navigate going through different seasons of life. If you think about it, if you're heading into a, a new relationship, that's a, that's, a, that's a change, radical change. If you're, in a, um, if you're heading to a new job, that's a transition. You know, suddenly you're working under a new boss who might be expecting things of you that the previous one didn't. And those might not be always the most eth ethical of things. 
And you have right there a decision whether you're going to just keep doing as you've been doing by being like a yes man to everyone who's in, in position over you, or are you going to change tracks and grow and become someone who's able to lovingly, with truth and grace, confront something that is wrong? You have in that moment a decision whether you're going to grow and change or whether you're just going to put your head in the ground and ignore the fact that they're expecting you to do stuff that aren't right. If you are transitioning from primary school to a new high school, all of a sudden you find yourself surrounded by new relationships, people that might, kids might expect you to do things that aren't right. You have in that moment a decision. Are you going to change and learn how to say no, or are you just going to go with the flow and allow them to lead you in a into a place that God didn't mean for you to go? There are these things all of, if you get a new child, oh my goodness, now you're a parent, right? Now you need to learn how to be a parent. And it's so important in these moments of transition that we don't get lost. We don't stay in the same mindsets and in the same lifestyle patterns that we used to because we will not be able to fully embrace this new thing if we stay stuck there. Imagine a parent who doesn't want to let go of the party lifestyle. What happens? Well, that kid gets just dumped to the next person who's willing to take care of it. And this, this lifestyle just continues, which is part of a previous season. And it should change. But if we're not willing to accept the change that's necessary and embrace it, we actually stay stuck and we start stagnating and we actually end up hurting ourselves because we're supposed to, we hurt, hurt other people because change is actually expected and we're resisting it. So we go through good transitions in life. We go to hard transitions in life. If you, if you lose a loved one, that's all of a sudden a relationship on earth that you're not going to have to do, do without. That means that you're no longer going to be able to go to their house every week at that time. It's a change. What are you going to do with that time? You're going to need to rethink what you do with that time. Now, that time can be spent in increasing despair and missing that person, or you can make a decision to grow and change and use that time for God's glory. But it's going to require change. Amen? It's going to require you to rethink things. And God wants us to constantly rethink how we're doing what we're doing and make sure that we're staying in step with Him. And uh, um, so we as a church are in a transition. I don't know if you've noticed, but there's like a BFG from Africa in front of you and not hip and happening PZ, you know. Um, that's a transition, people. <laughs> you know, things are changing and, and, and it's beautiful and it's good in its time. Um, but if we do not ask ourselves, how are we supposed to engage this new thing, then we're going to get left, left behind. As followers of Jesus, our lives will always be filled with transition. The minute you get a new revelation from God about your life, He expects you to, to apply it. And He expects you to apply it in such a way that it actually changes the way you do things practically. Right? And so <clears throat> it's important for us to, to realize that change is not only um, constant, it is expected. 
And if you, do, if you expect change, you can actually uh, uh, more proactively engage it, embrace it, and then take control to define how it's going to be and not let it be done unto you, but you play kind of the directing role, the leading role in how you think it should play out. But God does accept us exactly as we are. How many of you are glad that God does not expect you to perform in any formal way to be accepted by Him when we give our lives to Him? He accepts us exactly where we are. He receives us from where we are. And I, for one, was super, super thankful that day when I realized I do not have to be somebody special for Jesus to pay attention to me, to value me, to take me into His family and to make me um, and to count me as amazing in his eyes, right? I, had to, I didn't have to be anybody special. Uh, and at that time, I, was, I felt like I was forgotten. I was pushed aside. I had no value. And when I heard that God saw me the same, through the same eyes as he saw his son Jesus, it made a whole lot of difference in my life. And God's love was what drew me and transformed me. And that same love is available to each and every one of us today for us to be accepted just as we are where we are at. But like any person who shows interest in us, interest in our capacity and our potential, he doesn't want us to just stay stuck in, what, in how he found us. He wants us to develop. He wants us to become everything that he, and to find out everything that he put in us to experience any, everything that he made able, us able to experience. And this is not like a <clears throat> in, in, the, in terms of, oh, so that we can get and experience all the good things of life. This is more in the context of so that we can realize how much he's put in us for us to become. When the Bible says that he wants us to be conformed to the image of his son, it means that he has put in us the capacity to become like Jesus. And he desires for each and every one of us to reach that capacity, to grow into that and to change along the way so that we can become and look and act and speak and lead more like Jesus. So he desires us to go from where we are to where he wants us, from hurting to healed, from bound to free, from unconfident to bold, from even death to life if you have not made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life. So 2 Peter 3 verse 18 encourages us with this. It says, you must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a very clear indication from God that he wants us to grow. And he wants us to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So <clears throat> if we do not grow with these changes, if we don't know, if we don't learn how to apply God's grace and apply the knowledge of God, how He wants us to live, and who we are to every new situation that we find ourselves in, we stagnate. We stop growing. God's often leading us into change situations in order to spark growth in our lives. And <clears throat> I had a conversation in the foyer earlier about just you know sometimes <clears throat> we. We do a lot of stupid things in life, and then we come to a place where we find God and, you know, make things right, and we start, start the journey back to God, and, and then we think that, hey, in order for me to have come to where I am now, I needed to have gone through everything that I've gone, because I wouldn't have come to this place if I didn't go through that. <clears throat> That's not the truth. That's a half-truth. Here's the truth. 
We grow through two ways, instruction or mistakes. If you don't receive God's instruction, He will use your mistakes. You can become everything God wants you to become through instruction. If you will heed to His grace and His knowledge, and if you will follow His way of doing things, you will become exactly who He wants you to become. But that will mean that at every point, every juncture where you have to make a change, that you trust Him, put your hand in His hand, and say, yes, Lord, let's go. I'm not going to stay stuck. I'm not going to be disobedient. I'm not going to not act when you, when you call me out to do something. I'm going to keep taking those steps of growth with you as we go because I don't want to get left behind. I don't want to stay stuck in that place where I don't grow and where I don't become who you have meant for me to become and then make mistakes along the way that hurt, hurt me, hurt other people. And it's unnecessary because God made a way that's made a way possible for us to actually grow without having to grow purely through experience. Now I don't doubt that God uses, you know, he, he's not gonna he's not gonna let a good mistake go to waste. You know, he's gonna work that mistake. <laughs> he's gonna show you what you needed to know. But he didn't mean for you to have to go through that. He meant for you to actually act on the instruction that He gave you. And I believe today is going to be some of that instruction that we need to take heed of so that we do not falter, make mistakes, get hurt, and have to learn lessons that way. So life is about adjusting to change. And in order to adjust to change, we have to actually embrace the change so that we can then engage and define it and keep growing. So <clears throat> how, many of you've tried, how many of you have tried to teach your kids new things? Okay, you know, hey, there's a new playground and then there's this new structure and you want them to take that slide, but it's a little higher than the one they have at home. And so they're going to go like, no, I don't want to do this. Man, if you would just do this, you will find the fun at the bottom. Yeah, because you know, if they do it, they're going to be like, the response is going to be like, wow, that was awesome. Let's do it again. But they're staying stuck in that fear of embracing this new thing. And so what I often do is I, 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 I like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll go with you the first time. And then whee, we go like, oh, that wasn't that bad, was it? No, it was good. All right, now you're going to do it alone. Whoa. Yes, let's go, let's go, let's go. And then they like clutch onto you and like hold onto my leg. And, and okay, no, no, tear them off your leg. And you, you put them on the slide. And you're like, look, listen, this is going to be awesome. This is going to be awesome. And what I look for, what I look for is I look for trust. I look for an inkling of indication that they believe me before I say, go. <laughs> now, I don't want them to start distrusting me and just throw them down the thing, right? So I don't, if they're, if they're like completely horrified with fear, I'll say, all right, don't worry, come, come, let's go down. I'll take you down. We'll try next time. But if I can see that there's a little trust, I will risk pushing them into it kind of giving them that little nudge to do it because I know and I've seen it so many times before the moment they try that new thing they love it right now here's what often happens though is halfway down the slide or just once they go fear takes a hold of them and they want to do something to get out of this situation and what do they do they pick their legs up and they try to stop and you know the next thing that happens, right? Now they're not going down feet first. Now they're going down head first. 
right? And they get to the bottom. What do they do? It's like, you did this to me, right? I'm like, yes, but if you would have done it the way I told you to do it, it wouldn't have worked out this way, right? Right? So if you would have just put your hands calmly in your lap, you know, just go down the slide it would have been like awesome but then you went like and and now it's you did this and that's so true of life i wonder if you've tried something that you felt god tell you to do and then like you just went into it and all of a sudden you was like backtracking and like no this is not me and then like oh man it turns out bad for you and then you go god you did this to me and god is up there Yes, but if you would have done it my way, you would have gone, awesome. God wants us to know that if we will go, he has something great on the other side of that risk. But we're going to need to embrace that in order to not go down kicking and screaming and hurt ourselves in the process. So <clears throat> our bodies are designed to grow naturally. Right? I'm not speaking to people, um, <clears throat> babies here today, that are uh, you know, 40, 50, 60, 70 years old. I'm speaking to adults. Why? Because your body grows. You cannot stop your body from growing. And we all know that if the body doesn't grow, that means medical um, abnormality, right? There's something wrong because we understand that we were designed to grow. I'm speaking to one baby there today. Amen. I see that hand. All right. Showed me his little connect card. He's going to fill in after the service. Um, but believe it or not, in 10 years from now, that baby's not going to be on that guy's lap. And if he is, it's going to be slightly off, <laughs> all right? Okay, so that's true for our natural bodies. But you know what? Our spiritual growth is actually not guaranteed, and it's actually not automatic. Our spiritual growth needs our interaction. It needs our saying yes to those little things that God is telling us to physically go and do to, to obey, to step out, to change, to adjust before we start really growing. I want to show you a quick picture. Can you put up baby Brent? How many of you know baby Brent from Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs? It's a cartoon that you guys made, okay? You, you, you Americans made. <clears throat> So one of the characters in this story is this is, is Baby Brent. Now Baby Brent is um, you know he he grew famous from this ad. So he was famous as a baby, and you know so those are uh, it's not a clear picture, but those are sardines, and he was pulling this little wagon with the sardines, and it fell, and he went like ooh, and it's so darn cute. Yeah, everyone goes oh. Throw up the next picture. The first one was, oh, this one was, oh. The first one was cute. This one's weird. This one's off. What happened to baby Brent? He stayed stuck in his fame. And now he's still trying to go, oh. And everybody's going, oh. 
<laughs> you should not be doing that. Neither should I. You should not be doing that in front of people anymore. You should be wearing jeans and a you know flannel shirt or something and comb your hair different or so. I don't know. But the bottom line is that guy never grew up. He never grew up. And uh, it's a shame, really, to be honest. Um, he stayed stuck in one area of success. Wow, success can be so detrimental to our success. Success can make us stay stuck in something that was good for us 10 years ago, but we should have moved on by now, right? So, you know what we see sometimes in, in, in parents' houses is in the doorways, there's these little notches, right? Where we celebrate kind of the growth things. And so the three kids, so there's one date, three names, three different heights, right? And then how many of you have done that? And then your kids the next day, okay, measure me again, measure me again. And you're like, well, it's not going to be the same as yesterday. It's like, no, I promise you, it's going to be different. <laughs> and then they stand on their tippy toes. I've grown, Daddy. Did I? Yes. Why is that so cool? Because we know we're supposed to grow. We celebrate growth. Growth is awesome, right? But why don't we just take that and apply it to our spiritual lives? We should have these little notches, right, to say that, hey, man, I've grown. And maybe that's something like, for instance, you, hey, let me start coming to church not once a month. Let me start coming on a weekly basis. Maybe that's for you. Hey, let me not just be an attender and an observer. Let me start, let me start serving. Let me join up with a dream team. Or maybe that's for you. Hey, I've been around for a bit. Let me get a, let me, let me, let me dive in. Let me become a member. Let me start leading people in this church. Let me start contributing. Let me get on a service team that serves our community once there's an event or so. Whatever that means for you, we should see those things as little notches to say, hey, I'm at the serve day. I'm growing. I'm taking little steps towards becoming who God has called me to become. Um, so, you deciding to maybe start praying with your family before they go to bed. You deciding to maybe get up 10 minutes earlier and read your Bible and pray before you head out for work. Every one of those little things are a little notch of growth that I'm telling you God loves and He celebrates because He's all about growth. He's not about us being perfect immediately but he is about us growing progressively, for certain. Okay, so um, we've we've started, we've seen you know Bible biblical characters where people are asked various things to change, like Father Abraham, Abram who became Abraham. Uh, God asked him to leave his family, leave his city, leave his nation, and go to a place where he would show him. Um, and I mean, I just. I've, I've always thought about that. It's like, okay, go to a place that I will show you. Those are the direct words that God said, use in the, in the Bible. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to start walking now. Is this the way? <laughs> Is this the way? And we won't know. Why? Because God doesn't mind, worry about that. For Him, it's about the relational response that we show Him. The fact that we're willing to just start walking, no matter where we're walking to, just start doing something is an indication, all right, that now he can start steering. He can start saying, hey, let's go this way. Let's do that first. I want you to respond like that to this person. Make that decision. Do that change. Throw that away. Start this up. 
etc., etc. For him, it's about the relationship and the fact that we show trust. When he sees, and the only reason, way how he sees trust is if we start doing, is if we start acting and obeying. Okay, so um, Exodus 3 reads like this. It's a new character. It's Moses, and God's asking him to make some changes. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And so God says, And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children, out of Egypt. So here's Moses, 80 years old. Think about this. He's 80 years old. He's a family, and a, you know he has a pretty sus- sustainable job, right? He's a shepherd, and so he's taking care of a flock of shepherds. And in all you know regards, it looks to be going well. He's he's, he's successful in what he's doing, and um, God says, "All right, time to change gears. I need you to uh, to become not a leader of a flock of people." flock of sheep, I need you to become the leader of a flock of people, a big flock of people who are being oppressed. And in the, in the process, you're going you're gonna to have to talk to a dictator, and you're going to have to figure out you know, how to let people survive in the, in the desert, and, and, and all those little things, but those are just details. We'll figure that out as we go. Won't you say yes to this assignment? And he's like, whoa, man, I'm, I'm close to retirement. I'm 80 years old right? You know, I'm, I'm, my social security is sorted, you know, got all my retirement figured out, and I have magazine, AARP magazine, you know, subscription. I'm good. I show up at 4 p.m. at and, and restaurants, and I get my senior citizens, you know, discount, and life is good. It's all sorted. Everybody's shutting down, and God's saying, uh-uh, it's time for you to get started. Where are you at in your assignment with God? Are you still on track with what God is wanting you to do? I want to tell you, if you're still breathing, God still has an assignment for you. In our job world and all that, we retire. From our calling and our purpose, we never retire. In fact, there is biblically no actual thing as retirement. We just change the way we live out our calling. Because God did never call us to work on an oil platform necessarily. He called us to be Jesus Christ to the world out there. And it doesn't matter necessarily where we do that. And if we get paid for that, our job remains until the day we die to live and be Jesus' hands and feet to people around us. So you're never going to retire. Just chuck that out of the way. You might stop getting paid. But you're not going to get... Any retirement ever in the kingdom of God. We have an assignment until the day we die. And to young people, I say that once you know that you're breathing, once you realize you know, that you are breathing, God's going to start talking to you about, about your assignment. And you can start asking him, Lord, what is my assignment? What's the work that I need to do for you? Because that's when it starts. It doesn't start when you start working or when you're out of school. It starts while you're in school already. God has an assignment for you there. Um, so, so check your assignment. Make sure that you're on track with your assignment. Make sure you're not checking your assignment in at your job's door. Your assignment isn't for after work and before work. 
your assignment is for life and every part of your life. Go figure that out and what it means for you in your situation. And God will often ask you to step before you are ready to step. And that's what he did for Moses. He asked Moses, hey, I want you to do this. Um, and, and Moses was like, I can't even speak, you know, let alone speak to a, a dictator who's probably going to want to kill me the minute he sees me. Because we kind of have history. I've been chased out there before. But God is oftentimes moving faster than we are comfortable with. But that's just the way he does things. Think about him entrusting um, like the world, the mission of reaching the whole world with the, with the gospel, entrusting that to uh, 12 people after only following him for three years. That's nuts. It's like, man, we say the local church is the hope of the world. He entrusted the hope of the world to a, to a bunch of sellouts and abandoning him in the time of need. And that's just the way and how awesome God is, is. He trusts us who are feeble and mistake prone with the most important, valuable aspects of his kingdom. And that's why I can with full confidence say to anybody in this room, God has an assignment for you. And he's entrusting not just some menial thing. He's entrusting valuable things to you. He's entrusting people's lives to you. But you need to embrace it when he calls you into something and he asks you to grow and he asks you to step into more into new things for that to become reality um and okay so in exodus 3 verse 12 it says but i will be with you i will be with you and this shall be and then he says something that's quite funny to me and and this is the sign for you that i've sent you when you have come back to this mountain and you've brought all the people of Israel to this mountain and you, on this mountain and you worship me, that'll be your sign that it was I sending you to go and get them. I'm like, wait a minute, that doesn't work for me. <laughs> shouldn't I be getting the sign that you're doing this? That you're telling this? Shouldn't I be getting the sign before I do it to have confirmation that you're actually sending? No, go do it. When you find you're successful, you'll know it was me sending you. I'm like, man, this is messed up. <laughs> that's not how I work. <laughs> but that's the paradox of the kingdom. That's how God works in his kingdom. He wants us to say yes to trust, not yes to guarantees. He wants us to say yes to him, not yes to um, things that have already resolved. He wants us to trust him and to go. And... Um, so is, is God asking me to lead a life group? Well, I don't know. Start leading one. And when you see people's lives are blessed by it, then you'll know it was Him sending you. <laughs> is God asking me to, you know, to join up with this church family? I don't know. Join up. And then you'll see when you have a blessing wide and people here are blessed with your presence that He was sending you. Chances are, if He's saying it to you, that He wants you to do it. But it takes us to say yes to that relational trust with Him and just change with Him and grow with Him. Take that new challenge up and respond. I will be with you. That's the promise we have. Not it will work out. I will be with you. He wants us to say yes to Him, not yes to, to results. And if the, 
the result takes care of itself. But the relationship, we have to take care of. We have to keep responding to his unction to grow, to change, to take steps to practically make growth a reality in our lives. So fast forward. Moses accomplishes the mission. He delivers people from slavery. And they're back on Mount Horeb. And Moses is getting his confirmation. Just this amazing moment. We're here, Lord. We've arrived. You said that I should do this. We went through hell and back, but we're here now. And you, your word is true. And it's just this amazing moment they've arrived. They have finally arrived. This is what God says. The Lord God said to us here on Horeb, you've stayed long enough this, at this mountain. Turn and take your journey and go now to the hill country of the Amorites. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> you said that we should come here. We've come here now. Isn't that enough? Well, no. Because I want you to keep growing. I don't, this, was, this was not a destination. This was a pit stop. This was just us refreshing and saying, wow, thank you, Lord, for the fulfilled promise. What's the next assignment? Where are we going next? What's my next step? So let me, let me make this a real, practica- a real practicality. Some of you signed up to do something 15 years ago in the church, and you've never stopped doing that one thing. Now, chances are that you're stuck and that you need to start bringing some change in your life to grow. Chances are that you came to that mountain in a journey that God had sent you on, and you were successful, but then that success became your ceiling. And you, you didn't respond to what was next. God is not done with you until Jesus is formed in you. And if you will start moving with Him, you will start growing again. But this is what is needed for us to manage transition well. So in Deuteronomy, okay, so he says, go to the old country. So he adds on the assignment. He's always going to add new dimensions to our assignment. There's always going to be more. I mean, when I arrived here, um, I, was, I was basically told that, look, you, you, we're getting you in to take care of three things in our church. It's basically you're going to um, you know, be the life groups uh, director. You're going to lead um, you know, the, the next step, which is basically our process of you know, people getting into church and knowing who we are and, and how to get involved. And, and you're going to be, be lead, dream team director. So you're going to serve and help all the people that are. Oh, man. If I, had to t- if I had to call to account what I was told I would do and what I'm doing now, it's like, man, now I'm standing here preaching. And this was like, yeah, there'll be times to preach. Oh, well, all of a sudden, now this is going to become a regular thing. Look, you can go, well, that's not in the contract and stagnate. Or you can go, yes, Lord, where do you want us to go? Where do you want us to go with this? Transition is a way that God makes us grow. It's a way that he leads us forward into our assignment for him. And we all have to do that. So when God, often when we want to stay where we are, God wants us to step. He wants us to step into that new thing. And here's how you kind of, kind of distinguish. Ask yourself, this, this thing that you're, you're, you're considering, which option should I take? Which one is going to make me grow? Which one is going to make me comfortable and stagnate versus which one's going to make me grow? 
And my admonishment to you today is take the one that makes you grow. Take the one that makes you grow. Because you're going to go down that slide and you're going to find the fun at the bottom. But if you don't, then you stay stuck. And if that gets done constantly and continuously, we end up like baby Brent. Still doing the same thing and thinking that everybody's going to be happy about us pulling the cart and throwing the sardines over. No, bro. <laughs> no more sardines for you, okay? <laughs> All right. So there's a guy in your nation called John Williams. He's written um, music for many blockbuster movies like Star Wars, Schindler's List, Indiana Jones, um, Superman, Harry Potter. Um, and But one of the things that shows his genius the best was the combination of two notes. They sound like this. What do you think of when you hear that? Jaws, right? Okay. So <laughs> makes you, makes you, if you hear that, I mean, never mind. Just strikes fear to your heart. You go, you wanna, you're on dry land, but you're looking for Jaws, right? Um, so did you guys know that a Jaws, a white, great white shark, in, in Cape Town we have so many great white sharks, um, makes, makes surfing interesting. But never mind, nevertheless, Great white sharks are designed to grow very large. They're designed to grow up to 20 feet long and over uh, 4,000 4, pounds heavy. Th that's a big fish. But it, did you know if you take that fish when it's still small and you put it in a small tank, it will not grow further than the capacity of that tank allows it to grow. That's just the reality of nature. Fish in shallow water don't grow to become as big as fish who have deeper water now you you may look like jaws but you might be acting like nemo god doesn't want us to be little bonsai trees if you take a massive oak tree when it's a sapling and you put it in a pot because that's the word bonsai literally means tree in pot. It's very mystic. That tree will not grow. It will stay small. So every time God is asking you to take a step into, new, into a new thing, He's asking you to change tanks. He wants to put you in a bigger tank so that you can grow again. He wants to take you out of that pot and put you in a big container so that you can grow into a tree that can be planted into a garden so that you can become what the Bible says, oaks of righteousness that allows many trees to branch, to nest in its branches and to, uh, others to enjoy its shade. That's what, he, that's what He desires all of us to grow into. But us saying no to the change He's bringing is us staying stuck in our little pot and not providing nesting for anything or shade for anything. Every time God asks you to take a step, He's asking you to, to switch tanks because He desires for you to grow. Us staying stuck in our seat in the same way we've been doing things is not going to make us grow. Deuteronomy 1 verse 21 says, Look, He has placed this land in front of you. Go occupy it. And it's almost like God is saying to us, guys, He's placed us here in Crowley. Let's go occupy this place. 
Let's go take it. There are people out there that so desperately needs God's attention and God's love and God's value to be communicated to them. Let's go do it. What's it going to take for you to get in on that action? What's it going to take for you to form part of this team that is about reaching this city and the surrounding areas with the love and the gospel of Jesus? And it says, don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. The Lord is going ahead of you and he will fight for you just as you saw him do in Egypt or in previous times in your life. That previous success, that's a confirmation that he will do it again for you. Because he's not a respecter of time, person, or instance. He's a respecter of our faith. Every single time we put our trust in his hand and say, yes, Lord, let's go, he's going to show up again and again and again, and he's going to let us grow and accomplish great things. There's a verse in the Bible that says, the people who know their God will um, be strong and accomplish many great things, many great feats. So, unfortunately, there are those who decide to not do this, and in those times too. And they ended up wandering in the desert for 40 years. So they stayed stuck in their first success. Yes, they managed to get out of slavery, but did they get to where God was wanting them to go? No, they didn't. They missed out on so many of that. And like the great theologian, Dr. Seuss, always says, Oh, the things you can find if you don't stay behind. So we want to encourage you today. What's that next step that you need to do to get in on this? Is that doing next step? Getting in on this team? Starting to serve people? Is that you maybe deciding, hey, let me lead my family. Let me start Bible study with my family. What is that small thing that you can start adjusting to make growth again a reality in your life. Maybe it's for you to join life groups. Maybe it's for you to lead a life group. What is your next step? And is how, the assignment that you've been given, how is God moving you along in that? And what does He want you to do? Now, sometimes it feels daunting. Like, how are we ever going to accomplish all of this? Well, a small lady called Amy Carmichael, um, when she was a teenage girl in Ireland, she felt in one place at some point in her life, God said to her, I want you to go to India and serve the people of India. And so when she was shortly after that, she went to India and she just started caring for kids. She just started caring for people around her. And soon she had a little orphanage going and she just followed the next logical step that the next thing to do it's like man i got a bunch of kids maybe i should just you know group them together okay good well the kids are growing maybe i should teach them something they're being taught well what's the next logical thing that we need to do grow and, and maybe i should get more people to help me she ended up just following little logical steps and lived the next 55 years in India, serving kids and people in India. She never thought that she would do that when she went. But she just responded to the first step. And she just never st said no to the next step that God was admonishing her to take. And she wrote this. Sometimes when we read the words of those who have been more than conquerors or larger than life kind of people, we almost feel despondent. I feel that I will never be like that. But they, one, 
through step-by-step -step actions. Little bits of wills, little denials of self, little inward victories. And by faithfulness, faithfulness in these very little things, they became what they are today. No one sees these little steps that are hidden. They only see the accomplishment. But even so, those small steps was taken. There is no sudden triumph, no spiritual maturity. That is the work of the moment. This moment isn't going to mature you. What you do after this moment decides whether you will start growing again or whether you will continue to grow in the direction that God wants you to grow. And God is going to be right there celebrating every part of that growth journey. So what's the next step that you need to take? What's the thing that God is asking you to get in on and get going on? I want us to stand as we consider that and pray. Father, I pray today in Jesus' name that you will speak by your Holy Spirit to every person's here, here, here's heart, Lord, that they will know that you are asking them to do that one little step and that they will walk out of this building with the resolve to do that, Father. Thank you, Lord, that you give us the grace and, and wisdom as leaders to show people ways in which they can respond to that. And Father, as they do, help us, oh Lord, to just celebrate your journey and your life and people. We love you, Lord. We're so appreciative of everything you've done for us and where you've brought us right now. But Lord, we also want to say we trust you. And we will put our hands in yours and say, let's go. Where are we going next? And we will respond, Lord. We make that commitment to you today in Jesus' name. Maybe your next step today is just to say yes to Jesus. Maybe you've not made a decision to believe in Jesus and get saved. And if that's you, if you want to take that step and finally put your trust in Jesus Christ for the salvation of your soul, you want to do that today, just put up your hand. Just show me that you're here and you mean business with God. You want to put your hand in His hand and trust Him. Thank you. Thank you. Let's all pray this together and then as, you know, just in solidarity with the people who are making decisions, maybe as a recommitment, maybe for the first time. Who knows? But God knows exactly your heart. And if you will pray this with sincerity, He will bring a change in your life that starts you off on this journey. So let's pray this all together. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. And I believe that on the cross you took my sin, my shame and my guilt, and you died for it, Lord. I believe that you faced hell for me so I would not have to go through it. I believe you rose from the dead to forgive me of my sin and give me a place on heaven and a purpose on earth and a relationship with my Father. So today, Lord, I turn from my sin and I accept you as my Father. Jesus is my Savior. And Holy Spirit, you're my helper. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.